here's something I've been loving on my run lately. Curex. Curex is a leading over-the-counter insole that is highly customizable and provides dynamic arch support. Visit curex.us and use code AMR15 for 15% off. Curex, your body will thank you too. Welcome to AMR Trains, a podcast about training and racing and endurance sports. I'm Dimity McDowell, the co-founder of Another Mother Runner. We are thrilled today to have Neely Gracie, an elite runner for Adidas, a running coach, and a Colorado local to talk to us about running during these unsettling, weird times. Among other accomplishments, Neely holds a 69-minute half-marathon personal record, the top American finish at the Boston Marathon, and a whopping eight national collegiate titles across track and cross country. She also qualified for her third Olympic trials after having her son, Athens, who just turned two. So welcome, Neely. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much. I appreciate that introduction. Nice, nice. Well, so an Athens literally did just turn two. Yes, uh, his birthday was uh, July 29th. And yes, we had a very nice little celebration and he's so proud of himself because he can say two. two. And what what is a two-year-old? It's so long. I have teenagers now. What does a two-year-old birthday party look like these days? <laughs> um, we went to a farm and we got to pet a bunch of different animals and he played in the dirt and uh, played with dump trucks and that was about it. <laughs> That sounds like a great day. And, and does it involve cake for two-year-old slash really cake for the parents or not yet? Yes. Uh, he had two pieces of cake on his birthday and they did not really sleep that much that night. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's the payoff you got to for the good pictures, right? Exactly. It was totally worth it. Awesome. Well, and his name Athens, we got to ask about that. Is that uh uh, an allusion to the Olympic Games, the start of the Olympic Games? Yeah, my husband and I, we decided a long time ago that we were going to name our kids after Olympic cities. And so when we found out we were having a boy, it was just so perfect because um, Athens being, you know, the first uh, city to host the modern Olympic Games and where, you know, the marathon originated running from Marathon to Athens so it was perfect and yeah I I love the name and it's it's so great for him and whether or not he becomes a runner um I think that the name is still really cool no matter what so do you have and maybe this is uh, I don't want to jinx you but do you have other Olympic city names uh picked out we do. Yeah, we would like a second kid at some point. And so we have another boy name and another girl or a girl name picked out. So nice. we'll see <laughs> whenever that would happen in the future. <laughs> I'm still quite okay with one kid for the next while. So, um, so before we get to your running, Neely, I want to talk a little bit about your family history. Um, your dad is a big runner, correct? You were born on Marathon Monday, right? Yeah, I feel like that's a story that's talked about quite a bit, but it's just such an important part or like puzzle piece to my whole uh, like 
importance of my career, I think. And so I was born while my dad was running the Boston Marathon on Marathon Monday. And then 26 years later, I ran my first marathon at Boston. So it was just really special. And that was just such a highlight of my entire running career so far. Yeah. Well, and I got to ask, like, what did your mom think about your dad? Being at the race while you were, while she was giving birth or was that kind of already agreed upon? Well, I was, um, supposed to come a couple days earlier and my mom went, uh, and got checked out and they were like, Oh no, like you're not showing any signs of going into labor. So she was like, okay, go run the race, like hurry back. <laughs> and then she went into labor. So, um, yeah, I guess I, I didn't wait around for him to return. And then he was pretty bummed out, though. He was pretty disappointed that he wasn't there. And so he didn't miss any of my siblings' births after that. Oh, that was good. That was good. Well, you know, a baby is better than a, a medal, regardless of how, how well the marathon went. So so that's a big day for him. Totally. Um, okay. Okay. So let's uh, go back to March um, when the pandemic became official. So you qualified. So again, you had Athens in 2018. Um, yep. You ran the, the Houston Marathon to qualify for the Olympic trials. And the Houston Marathon is at the end of January, correct? Mm-hmm. And so then you just a few weeks later at the trials and it looks like you didn't finish that race. Is that right? Yeah. I went into it knowing that it was going to be too much on my body if I tried to run two marathons that close together. Certainly. So I went in and I got the experience that I wanted to have of being a participant because if you qualify, um, you have a spot. It's not like you take a spot from someone else. Sure. So that, that, uh, being able to tow the starting line was just really special and something that I had never done before, even though I've qualified, um, twice before this year, I, uh, ended up missing both of those Olympic trials. And so this one, at least I got to start and hopefully the next one I can actually start and finish. Wow. So what happened in the first two? I'm sorry. I don't know that about your career. Were you injured or? Yeah. So in 2012, um, I had just graduated college okay. and I was coming off of like my first, uh, stress fracture. And, uh, I had, um, actually kind of injured my foot in a cross country race, which was my first race as a pro. Um, and so I had tried to rehab and I tried to come back and it just, it was too rushed. Um, and it just took much longer than I had hoped for it to heal. So I ended up for going, um, it was track that year, um, that I qualified in the 5k And so I ended up watching in Eugene, but I didn't end up competing because there were prelims. So I felt like my body could get through one race, but probably not two. So if I would have been fortunate enough to make it to the final, I think that it would have pushed my foot too far um, because I hadn't run in spikes or anything like that that up until that point, even though I was decently fit. So... I ended up um, missing the Olympic trials in 2012, um, but then went on to have a really strong fall um, and qualify for the world championships in cross country in Poland. And then in 2013, I ran um, that world championships and was 13th. So that was like a pretty big year, even though I didn't get to uh, run at the Olympic trials. And then in 2016, um, I had run my 
uh, 109 half marathon. And during that race, actually, I fractured my foot. Um, going, they had like a hairpin turn and I went around the turn and I just felt like something pop in my foot and I still finished, but obviously, um, I had to take a month off and then I wasn't feeling like I had enough time to prepare for my first ever marathon because I would have only had like 10 weeks. And so I, um, forwent, uh, the opportunity to run LA, um, the trials in 2016 there. And I, um, ended up doing Boston instead, which was a huge catapult for my career. So it's all worked out. Um, even though things didn't go exactly the way I had hoped. Sure. Sure. So, um, so you ran, uh, you, you qualified in Houston, you had, a st- you didn't have the strongest marathon. You said it was your slowest marathon, but the one you're most proud of, because again, you were coming off of having Athens. So what were your plans for, for this year? professionally, um, before COVID hit? Yeah, well, I've done one race in the last three years and that was Houston. So I was really looking forward to racing and I was really hoping that things would come together where I could have a full fall racing season, um, which is clearly not happening. Um, however, I think I was very fortunate um, in that what my, what my body really needed was a long base building period. And so I think the, the pandemic actually gave me an opportunity to really have uh, no pressure and no stress and take it much slower than I would have if I was trying to prepare for a race. So I feel very fortunate. Um, I'm more fit than I've been since before um, my pregnancy. And so that's a really good feeling. And I know that um, this was the year I needed. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, and I've seen on your Instagram, you are very um, good at doing strength workouts with just your body weight, which means no excuses, right? (laughs) Exactly. So what, tell me about how, how you work strength in, um, especially coming, I mean, I know you're two years postpartum now, and I know you're very diligent about getting, you know, your body back to functioning normally after being pregnant, but um, still it's, it's a, it's a work in progress always, right? It totally is. It's always a work in progress that we always have weaknesses that we're trying to figure out and strengthen. And there's a lot of trial and error from what I'm finding, but yeah, I, I did, um, some pelvic floor, uh, rebuilding in that first year after having Athens, but until my hips kind of shifted and moved back into place, um, I, I really just could not run and put power into the ground the same way as I could before. And I didn't have the strength that I had before. And so it was almost just a waiting game. And that was really hard for me because I felt like I wasn't doing enough. And I felt like, um, you know, not only is this like important to me because I really like to run, but it's also my job. And so the fact that I couldn't run um, or I couldn't perform the way that I, uh, you know, have in the past and, you know, want to do in the future was really tough. Um, but I just had to be patient and wait for my body to be ready to handle a workload and be able to, um, 
respond to the running and the training that I could put in. Nice. Nice. Well, you wrote a little bit about um, your postpartum comeback for runner's world. Um, and you compared having Athens to like a hill workout. I'm going to read a little bit of this because I liked it a lot. Um, Some days I can do it all. and I'm focused strong on the ups. I'm easy coasting on downhill with nothing in my way as I check off all the priorities on my and on other days, it seems like everything is never ending. Everything is a never ending uphill grind. But more often than not, it's rolling throughout the day, both ups and downs of easy and challenging. And um, I think that's a great description of coming back postpartum. I also think it's a really good description of the pandemic. You know, you have these, you know, like, oh my God, I'm never getting to the top of that hill. And then there's days like, wow, I'm, I'm actually kind of coasting downhill. It feels okay, right? Um, and so, um, so talk to me about what has worked well for you as far as making sure that you get what you need um, workout wise and physically um, and mentally during this? Do you have certain tenants that you kind of have laid out your days, your weeks by? The biggest thing for me has been sticking to a routine, having a plan, having structure and following it. Mm -hmm. And that's just I've always thrived. I've always done my best when I am goal-oriented, when I have good time management, and when I have a routine and there's, um, you know, structure to my day. And so that's something that I've continued to incorporate, something that reduces stress for me. And I, um, I sat down with my husband, you know, after the uh, Olympic trials and I was like ready to go. I was so pumped and coming off of that experience, I was very motivated and I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. And I was planning stuff out. And then of course, you know, two weeks later, um, everything shut down and I readjusted a few things. Um, but really I didn't change a lot. We had planned to do a 16 week training block. And so I structured 16 weeks. Um, we had planned to do primarily base building for the first half of that and then transition to more of a speed focus. So I did that. And then I incorporated a couple 5k time trials, um, just to kind of track fitness uh, track that progress that I was making and have small goals that were, you know, every three to four weeks, um, there for a couple months so that I had something that I was working towards that didn't feel so long, um, in the future. And so I think that was really helpful too. Well, I, I love that. I love that you, I love some structure too. I love structures and goals and all that stuff. Do you, so what does that look like? Do you, um, does it look like on a daily basis are you looking at your at your plan are you laying that out at a like a Sunday night um I mean I know you said you wrote a 16 week block so you had that but I mean how do you kind of check in with yourself regularly to make sure you're on track beyond I'll talk about I want to talk about the 5ks in a minute but um but just just on a daily basis kind of what does that look like to you yeah so one thing that I found is that I've gotten trapped a little bit before so I like to have a general idea and, you know, that 16 week training block, I wanted to work up to an 80 mile week. Um, you know, in the past when I was training, I was doing around, um, like 90 to 110. Um, but that was with double runs. And I said, I don't want to do any double runs. Um, 
I think that puts me at more of a risk of injury when I don't have as much time between the runs um, to recover. And so, you know, I realized that was something I didn't want to do. And I felt like usually, you know, 80 um, was a really good um, like fitness uh, mark for me. Once I could get up to 80 miles a week easily, then I knew that like that my fitness was coming around. So that was kind of a goal for me was to be able to do that again, which was like a post baby personal best, um, that I hadn't yet worked up to. Um, I wanted to work up to a 20 mile long run. Um, and I really wanted to practice my fueling because that's something that I've always struggled with in my marathons is, uh, having a strong enough stomach to handle taking in enough gels and fluids. So I was practicing that in a lot of my long runs and I tried to not get too caught up in like exactly what my workouts were going to be or the exact paces I wanted to run in my workouts. So I tried to have one workout a week that was like more focused and more structured where maybe I would go to the track, um, our track was closed for a long time. And so my husband actually wheeled out, um, a loop in our neighborhood that was like 500 meters. And so he just made marks like every 50 meters around. Um, and so I would just do my workouts like on that little loop in our neighborhood. Uh, and that worked out great. So we found ways to be flexible with the training, but still get the training in. Sure. Sure. I love that because your husband's a big runner as well. Correct. Yeah. We ran in college together at Shippensburg university and he graduated, um, in 2010, I graduated in 2012 and then, um, he's my coach now. So he, he and I run together and that's probably been the biggest, um, and best part of COVID for us is that um, he's working from home now. And so we run together every morning and we haven't been able to run together for years. So this was like a really special part of that, even though it came from unfortunate circumstances. I recently started wearing a new model of running shoes and I really like them. Then I substituted Curex Run Pro insoles for the flimsy factory insoles and my feelings for the shoes switch from like to love. Curex insoles provide flexible support with just the right level of rigidity. Before, the shoes felt a tad bit sloppy, now I feel at one with them. Curex is a leading over-the-counter insole that is highly customizable and provides dynamic arch support, whatever your arch height. Curex Run Pro insoles are available in three options, high, medium, and low. They have a thin, non-bulky profile, yet deliver maximum support and comfort. I'm no longer putting in marathon training miles, yet as a middle-aged runner, I usually have some body part or another talking to me. Yet this morning, as I was pulling on my running clothes, I realized I'm currently 100% pain-free. Knock on wood. I think running on Curex insoles is a big reason. Try Curex insoles for yourself, risk-free, today. The company offers a 60-day warranty, even if the product has been cut to fit your shoes. Visit curex.us and use code AMR15 for 15% off a pair of Curex insoles. That's C-U-R-R-E-X dot U-S with code AMR15 for 15% off. Curex dot U-S. So you did, so you mentioned these three 5Ks that you did, um, mm-hmm. a series of them. Can you kind of talk us through kind of 
why you did them and kind of what your goals were for each one. Um, and understanding that, of course, you know, if you talk about your times, they're not going to relate to us mere mortals, but I like the idea of, you know, of, of having a gauge on your fitness, right? Yeah. So I kind of looked at it as like, what are a couple ways that I can track progress without having races? And so there's three different strategies that I implemented into my training. The first was the more obvious. Um, let's set a distance and let's do a 5k. Um, I did one, the end of April, one, the end of May and one, the end of June. And so I was like, all right, let, there's no hiding. Let's just see where we're at. Um, with a time trial type effort. Um, the second way I tracked fitness was I did the same workout and I tried to see progress within that workout. So, um, for example, I did a ladder workout and it was 100, 150, 200. And then I'd repeat that four times. Um, so it's kind of like a, yeah, like just a one-way ladder. Um, and I was able to track like how I was feeling at the paces that I was running and was I getting faster and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. So that was really helpful, um, to kind of have a workout that I did a few times to see progress. And then the third one is that I did the same workout, but I would add to it. So I did uh, 30 second hill repeats and I started with eight 30 second hill repeats and then I did 10 30 second hill repeats and then I did 12 30 second hill repeats over the course of a few months. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to make it to the same point or further up the hill, even when I was adding in more reps to the workout. So those were the three ways that I tracked fitness, um, with not having uh, a race schedule and I felt really good about it and it gave me confidence and it definitely helped me see, um, you know, where, where I was at the start and the importance of putting in that work because speed has been my biggest, um, my biggest downfall coming back from pregnancy. Um, the endurance side came back much, much quicker for me um, than the speed has. And so that's been something that we're just working on efficiency. And uh, 5K is not a distance that I've done for a really long time. So my personal best is 15.25 for the 5K. Mm -hmm. And my times for <laughs> this 5K um, series was um, 18.32, um, uh, 18.05, and 17.28. So I was really far away from that 15.25, but I made progress, and that's what it's all about right now. And when I consider myself more of a marathoner than I do a 5K runner at this time, um, it is helping me become a better uh, marathoner because if I'm gaining efficiency and strength and power in my stride, that's going to carry over into me being able to feel more comfortable and relaxed in my marathon. Totally. And I mean, in 30 seconds, it's basically, you know, estimating 30 seconds off, of yeah. five, you know, every month. Like I think most of us would take that, <laughs> you know, I yeah. mean, that's insane. Oh, I was thrilled. Yeah. Even though it's like, 
I was in that article um, by Cindy Kuzma in um, Runner's World uh, talking about, yeah, the the 5K time trials and then talking about, um, you know, Shelby running her 14, (laughs) whatever. And I was like, oh man, that feels like so ungodly impossible right now. But um, it's, it's really cool because that's something that I think a lot of runners have learned during the pandemic is that running is actually just about you and your progress. And it's not as much about what other people are doing. And because we're not racing uh, right now, and there's just not that same opportunity as there was before. um, I think we're all like having a little bit of uh, an eye opening time where it's, you know, what can we do for us? Why do we run? And what is special about running in our life? And then we're able to implement that. So I know that was, you know, for me, um, I'm someone that I just really enjoy running. Like if I um, never had the opportunity to race again, I would be okay with that. Um, Because it's much more about like the journey and the process of um, gaining fitness and building strength. But I certainly do miss racing and I do really look forward to that time when we can again. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Well, and then one of the things that you talk about um, uh, in your YouTube videos and um, you probably put it also on your Instagram account. Um, Sorry, that's my dog wanting its lunch, (laughs) Um, but (laughs) control what you can control. And I know that we, a lot about races and like bad weather and your stomach maybe not cooperating or anything, you know, but kind of how, like, can you just talk about that and how you've used that, especially as over these past five months? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I say that all the time Uh, as a coach, I'm always telling my athletes, don't worry about everything else. Control what you can. Don't waste energy on the things you can't control. Um, And obviously there's a lot of things right now that feel out of control and are overwhelming and stressful. Um, And so, yeah, really focusing on the, the, the small things. Um, So one thing that I've done, um, so I've started doing since I had Athens was um, writing a bullet journal out. And so each month I come up with daily little goals that I want to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it can, it's as simple as like, take 10 deep breaths and stretch after running or um, go to bed by nine o'clock. Like I have all kinds of things on there that are running related and lifestyle related. And so it kind of changes based off of what I'm doing really well and what I need to still continue to work on. And then at the end of the the end of the day, I just go through and I check off the things that I've accomplished. And then at the end of the month, I can track, okay, how are things going? Um, you know, what are the details that I'm really good at and what are the details that I need to work on? And so that's a way that I can control, um, what I can and (laughs) not stress about, um, like bigger picture things that are more out of my control. So that's one thing that I found to be really helpful over the past few months. I love it. I love it. And I like those, I mean, it's almost reminds me of like, you know, when you're in a race and you're like, okay, I don't know if I can keep this up, but I can keep it up until the stop sign or I can keep it up until right. the aid station. And then you get there and you're like, okay, but I can keep it up. Like, okay, I did take 10 deep breaths today. I can get up and do that again tomorrow. Like that was a win for today and I'll have another one tomorrow, you know? 
Exactly. And I'm all about that. We call them process goals. And so I think process goals are so important because, um, like it's very easy to set big goals. It's very easy to say, I want to qualify for the Boston Marathon, or I want to run a PR, or, you know, I want to um, finish top three in my age group, or whatever your goals could be. Mm-hmm. And so it's easy to come up with those. But then it's how do you get from where you are right now to where you want to be to make those big goals reality. And these process goals are what's going to get you there. So if anyone's listening, I'm a big fan of the process goals. And I have an outline for um, a bullet journal on my website, uh, neelyruns.com. So if anyone wants to check it out and, and join the bullet journal club, feel free. We'll definitely link to that. That's awesome. Thank you for okay. Cool. It was about that, Neely. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is great. I mean, you. I love your your very um, normal, right? <laughs> for somebody who can rip off, you know, a seventeen minute five k and think that's slow. Um, I like that your your processes feel very accessible and tangible, and and it's something that we can apply to our own running. Whether you know we're coming at it from the very beginning or running a 14 minute mile or whatever it happens to be because it it applies to all runners, right? Exactly. Yeah. And that's one of the great things about running is we're all going through a lot of the same emotions. Um, We're all experiencing a lot of the same things. And so it's a, it's a very unifying sport and that is something that I've always loved about it. I love it. All right. We got to end on a light note. Um, I've already talked about my one dog here. I've one too. Um, but you have a Vishla. Yes. Um, and is it a boy or a girl? She's a girl. Yeah. And she, she's five. Um, and she's actually hanging out with me right now on the patio. Oh. But <laughs> yes, Strider, Strider and I were on the cover of Runner's World in 2016 together. So she's a very um, famous little, uh, Vishla for, um, her age, but yeah, she's, she's great. And it's been uh, a lot of fun to see her and Athens, um, become buddies. And his first word was dog, dog. Oh, when he was nine months old and he finally said mama at 23 months old. So <laughs> we see where his priorities are. Hey, the kid, the kid has a definite hierarchy of needs there. Um, I'm just curious, how did the cover shoot go? Did, did uh, Strider, like, did, did you have to do a gazillion shoots or did a gazillion takes because she yeah. was, you know, didn't have it, her talk the right way? <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. So we actually weren't supposed to be the cover. We were just an inside story. Okay. Um, but they came out to take pictures and I met them in downtown Boulder and they wanted Strider to be there. So we were taking some pictures and um, she was there and they took a picture. And then a couple weeks later, they were like, we want this picture um, for the cover, actually. But we just have to like make a couple adjustments. So we're going to do another photo shoot. So then we had to go back and like mimic the photo shoot and do it all over again. And this was in January in Colorado. But it's, it was an April issue that they were shooting for. So it was supposed to be summery. So I'm like in a sports bra and like tiny boy shorts and like two hours of doing this photo shoot in January. <laughs> they oh. had some guy who his whole job was just to stand there with my jacket in between 
takes, he would just like wrap me in my jacket and then take it off and wrap me. <laughs> oh my God. But, um, it was, it was so funny. It was such a cool experience. Um, but yeah, they ended up actually Photoshopping Strider in because Strider always runs on my left and they needed her on my right for the photo. And so they ended up Photoshopping Strider like in a picture with me where they kind of took our picture separate so that she could be on my right because she doesn't know how to run on the right side because we've always trained her to run on the left. Oh my God. So two full photo shoots, you freezing your little bun shorts off and, um, and they Photoshop her in at the end. Yep. That's <laughs> so, exactly right. World. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Neely, thank you so much. Um, we wish you the best of luck as you keep going through and gaining fitness and, um, you know, help, help getting through those toddler years with Athens. And um, we look forward to seeing what, what you do in 2021 and beyond. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this opportunity. And I don't know, this was a lot of fun to get to talk about stuff and has me really excited for what's ahead. Good, good. Well, take good care and we'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thank you.